Are you guys ready to record this whole thing all over again? <laughs> I didn't care for it. I didn't buy it. That, that seems pretty ridiculous. I don't even want to think about the possibility of you having your dick out. Yikes. This is the most important thing in the universe. What happened to it? I, I, I don't know. I needed to suck in absolutely every moment of awesomeness. Yeah. Welcome back to the Geek Legacy Podcast, where we talk about everything in the realm of entertainment news, so long as it falls under the geeky umbrella. I'm Justin Cavender. With me, as always, Mr. Randy Van Dyke. How are you doing today? I am so damn good to be with you two gents. You're looking good. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Looking like my mustache long, looking strong. I see that. David, how are you doing? You know, I'm not 100% sure. I want to say I'm doing fantastic, but uh, I just put an entire paint of uh, spray paint onto one of the things I 3D printed, and uh, I think I might have ingested a large quantity of it, so... uh, so I'm kind of riding high on the the, the, the lightheadedness. So uh, it's going to be a fun time. Um, speaking of which, I got I got a lot of a lot of people sliding in my DMs and like messaging me on Twitter about all our 3D shenanigans we talked about last week. So thanks for listening, and uh, I, I enjoyed talking 3D printing with all of these people. And uh, I even inceptioned uh, poor Josh into getting on the mailing list for the the Elegoo Jupiter that went on. It has started its Kickstarter last uh, Saturday, and uh, it. It was like we had predicted. It, in almost an instant sell it on like the five hundred, the six hundred dollar tier. Uh, they still had like the the seven hundred dollar tier, uh, but it's like one hundred fifty dollars to ship. So I was like, yeah, that's a big pass through. So at this point, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that the the evolution of the Elego Jupiter will drive the price down on the Elego Saturn, which is like the next small next smaller one down, because uh, I think I could make some cool stuff out of that one. So uh, long way of saying I'm doing fantastic, Justin. How are you? I'm fabulous. You got sort of the Blair Witch vibe going on in like a dark tent. <laughs> Sorry, I had to had to come outside with, with the fresh air because, like I said, I uh, I think I accidentally huffed a lot of paint, like a lot of like, the paint, like a whole like a whole can. <laughs> and it was, I, I had all these precautions so it didn't uh, get everywhere in the garage, but uh, you know I'm still five inches from this thing painting it, you know, and it's 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 a you know it's it's like a six almost like a five and a half foot piece, so it takes a ton of primer, and uh, so uh, yeah, whole can. Up my nose. I'm gonna be sneezing, gray, sneezing gray, gray boogers for like the next like week probably. You need one of them hazmat suits or a mask. Yeah, I definitely did, but uh, I wasn't gonna use one. <laughs> you know how it goes, you know. Probably more Randy does. You know, because sometimes you gotta get shit done. You you want to paint shit first. No, sometimes it's just faster just to just to go with it, and you know maybe I'll <laughs> live like eight minutes less. Yeah, you know what, what I've been doing with my spray paint lately because I've I've I haven't needed it a whole lot because the, most of the stuff that I paint is really really tiny, so I use either brushes or my airbrush with it. But when I am doing a bigger piece and I need to spray it, I'll take it on the side of my house. So I'm already in the in the great outdoors, but I've I've gotten kind of lazy about where I do it. Now I don't want to get shit like on my concrete wall or on my my. Um, you know, on my on my sidewalk, like there on the side of my house. Uh, so I've been putting it on the top of my trash can. And the way the, the trash cans are color coded in my neighborhood, it's not the whole trash can that's a different color denoting whether it's trash, recycling, or yard waste. It's only the lid color because the base color is the same on all of them. My trash can is supposed to be blue. It's got gray and tan and God knows so many other different colors just splashed across the top of that thing that it's amazing that it gets picked up every week that the, the trash can <laughs> Wood. Wait, wait, is this recyclable? Is this grass? Is this trash? <laughs> so I think yeah, the first truck that comes by is like, I don't know what it is. Let's just dump it in here and call it a day. Yeah, I got to be super careful because uh, I know uh, with my wife, if I uh, if I spray anywhere that shouldn't have spray paint on it, I'm going to hear about it for the rest of my life. 
That's a shame. But it's coming along great. Uh, I'll do have to do a little bit of sanding on the rifle, and then I'll give it a black coat, uh, and then uh, borrowing a buddy's airbrush. And so you know, it might be uh, might I have a I have a busy weekend this weekend, so I might not have time to put the time into this weekend, which I'm totally fine not putting in because my weekend plans are way better. Uh, but uh, maybe by next weekend, I'll have a completed Mandalorian blaster rifle. Sweet. That'll be pretty badass. Your helmet turned out amazing. I'm, I'm yes, very impressed you. for that being your first effort. That was awesome. I cannot wait to show you. And then, I, and then, like every good artist, I will show you everything I hate about it that's like that I could do better next time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, overall, I'm very, very happy with it, especially since it was meant to be a piece that an 11 year old was going to wear. So while I wanted it to be as perfect as possible right off the gate, I understand that. Uh, Two minutes after I give it to him, it's not going to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm tempted to to bring over. I, I ended up splurging and getting the Black Series one, um, just because oh, it was you? on sale. Yeah, it was on sale. It was like normally 120 or something like that. It was on sale for like 79 dollars, and I'm like, you know, nice. I'm not going to be 3D printing one anytime soon because I've just been dragging my ass on on buying a printer. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to buy it. Um, I'm tempted to bring mine over, but I'm afraid yours is better. So it's like, I don't want to be yeah, no, bring it. Bring, no, if, yeah, definitely bring <laughs> yours over. Yours will definitely be better. Uh, but I'm just curious to compare it, you know, because, uh, and Amy won't be here. You know, if she were here, I, I wouldn't want you to bring it because then she'd be like, you could have just bought this thing for $79. <laughs> you spent well, I, got, I got it. I got it like discounted. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> don't don't tell her the price point. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crazy, $250. But yeah, bring it. I'd love to see it. I mean, if you if you have it opened or if you're going to open it, that's fine. You know, I have it on display in my living room next to my suit of armor because right. it's like it's got the same aesthetic going on. Nice. Are you going to print the jetpack too, or any of his armor other than the helmet? Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, so I started printing because um, you know in three D printing you can like scale it all down, and so we kind of did the math that like uh, Zachary was going to be like eighty percent, and so every but. It was weird. Every time I scaled down the the Mandalorian pauldron that had the um, the mud horn on it, um, it would print like two three fourths or two thirds, and then it would like shift like an inch, and then would print the other part just perfect. But it have this like shift, and if it were on like the other one, it wouldn't be a problem. I could just separate it and like glue them together. But since it had the mud horn, it never really like looked right. Um, but um, yeah, my goal was I was going to print him a whole suit for Halloween, uh, but now he's like, yeah, I don't want to do the Mandalorian for Halloween. I just want the helmet in the book. <laughs> yeah. want- look, yeah. look, fucker. <laughs> I've yeah. been doing this for months. You're going to go with Mandalorian. You're going to like it. Right, but he but he wants the blaster. You know, He wants the helmet. You know, so he's totally into it, and he's been helping me. Uh, he keeps telling me all these like random like Apex Legends weapons now. He's like, hey, can you print this? And so last night I printed him this like knife-looking thing, and I'm like, you can't take this to school. <laughs> <laughs> So let me tell you, if you ever do end up printing the the jetpack, and especially like if you wanted to use it for Halloween, or hell, if you want to print yourself a suit and wear it for Halloween, let me know because I ended up getting a couple of miniature fog machines. They'll fit in the palm of your hand, and I oh, got really? two of them. And I was going to put them in my Boba Fett jetpack so I could actually like hit a button on my gauntlet and then like shoot some fog out the back. Um, yeah, I got this crazy good deal because there was like a Kickstarter going on for them. So uh, oh, they're nice. like made of mostly three D printed parts, but it's really kind of neat. So let You're me know if you end up yours? needing something like that. Um, I'm probably not going to end up wearing it anytime real soon. It's just kind of, uh, you know, on display in my office. But yeah, if, if it's something that you guys are going to practically use, let me know. I'll totally hook you up and let you borrow them. Sure. I think I'm a little too fat for Mandalorian. That's I've my seen... problem with my Boba Fett costume. <laughs> yeah, but you're like normal. You're like a normal sized person. I'm a big old great fat person. Uh, and, you know, I've just seen, you know, no shame in the game. But I've seen a lot of portly cosplayers and it, I just don't want to be one of those people. You know what? I'm I'm 
I'm heading towards wanting to do uh, the the rearmored Boba Fett because it's okay if you got a gut for that. Yeah, yeah, but, the dad but mod. My, my, yeah, my mine's still a little too big to pull that off convincingly. So I got some work to do to even get into dad bod Boba Fett mode. But uh, that's that's the next cosplay I want to put together. I'll just three D print me some like Porkins stuff, you know, the helmet and the chest <laughs> thing, and just get an orange jumpsuit. You know, I can be Porkins. I can be Porkins I, or I can be Barf. Those are those are the, those are my two cosplay options. Oh, dude, Barf is amazing. <laughs> Barf. Oh. I mean, if you're gonna choose between the two of those, I mean, I'm Spaceballs is gonna win in my my vote. Yeah. Anyway. And it's an attitude thing. Like when I was in celebration last, the last one they had in 2019 in April, uh, there was a barf there. Not only did he look incredible, like he was, he was channeling John Candy. Like he was like, Hey, blah, 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 I'm a mug. And then like, so like, I'm like, Hey, can I take my picture with you? Like, yeah. Give me your phone. And so he took my phone from me. And like, you look behind me. There's other people's like, he's like, Hey, short stormtrooper, uh, do, or, or it was, it was a stormtrooper, uh, a kid stormtrooper, like a girl, C3PO and some else. He's like, he's like, Hey, short, short trooper, uh, girly 3PO and someone else get in this picture <laughs> and like, <laughs> like wrangling everybody in and he was like the life of the party and, like two steps later someone else wants to take a picture and he would do the whole big thing again he's like ah let's do this so I wouldn't mind being barf that's gotta barf. be so much fun Not I would have to be so barf. drunk to, to engage a crowd like that I think <laughs> but with the makeup on uh, it's not Randy you, you, could, you could be someone else Randy that's true that's true it's a whole character transformation that, that's the beauty of cosplay, right? You don't, you can like not be yourself for a minute. Yeah, and I'm in no way shaming anyone who has a different body type than who they're cosplaying. I totally get, you know, if you love doing it, you know, you should always do it. I just am a self conscious person, and uh, you know, I know that I would not be happy with with my my current body type in a cosplay that's not for my current body type. But everyone else, you know, you do you. I'm more than happy to say how amazing your costume is. I just, I just treat myself a little harder than everyone else. Yeah, we're we're not here to judge you at the Geek Legacy podcast. Yeah, out loud. Unless, yeah, out loud. Unless, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm having a blast doing this 3D printing stuff. So uh, sounds um, like it. It's funny. I was yeah. talking to my my wife about it, and I was showing her because I'd printed the little blade for Zach, and she's like, "Yeah, that's a, that's a, the whole 3D printing part doesn't impress me." She's like, "The finishing work and all the stuff that goes into making it, like the final product, is impressive, but." Um, she's not impressed with like that. She's like, you go to a computer, you download a file, you stick it in, and then the printer prints it. I'm like, well, what else do you expect it to do? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe it would be more impressive if you're the one sitting there, like CG modeling it and like yeah. you know creating it CG space and then printing it from nothingness. That that would be pretty impressive, I think, to anybody. Yeah, but the but the sheer amount of like post work that goes into it, I think, is the oh, impressive yeah. part. And she she definitely has a point to where like I wouldn't mind you know printing a like some kind of like custom Mandalorian armor for myself. Like even if it is like a Mandalorian, but like, you know, put a sports team on, like make it like a giant's like a San Fran Delorean or something, something <laughs> like that. Go to a baseball game or something with like a big old SF on a black Mandalorian helmet or something. But, um, you know yeah. what you might rock is like, you've seen the heavy Mandalorian, the one that, that John yeah. Amro voice. I mean, he's like, he's bigger, taller, just like a beefy dude with a big old fucking gun and a badass mm -hmm. looking jetpack. That is a badass looking suit of armor right there. That's a good idea. Yeah. Wouldn't it be yeah. funnier if bigger guys needed three jets on their jetpack <laughs> instead of two? <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> I got to put an extra one on there. Why do you have three back there? I'm a bigger dude. <laughs> it's one. It's one per every hundred pounds. You know, Boba Fett's like a deuce. You know, Seems I'm, like a design for us. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> this uses more fuel. Yeah, I mean, 
It could use a dose of realism. It, it certainly could. I don't know, man. I, I, I watched The Mandalorian. It looks pretty fucking real to me. <laughs> yeah. I believe yeah. those men can fly. I always yeah, think well, of the knobs with the with the the Imperial ships, like the TIE Fighter. Like we were talking about that. I'm like, why does it have knobs? <laughs> and there's something they can't get away from. It's so funny. It's like, why are Thanks, they opening man. shampoo bottles? <laughs> I, I wonder when we're gonna get a Boba Fett trailer. You know, we're gonna yeah. talk about Hawkeye in a little bit, you know, and that's a that's a November show, you know, Boba Fett's December, you know. You know, we could conceivably be like a month out. I wonder if they're, I wonder if they're saving it for if there's something special coming up. Like, I wonder if they're going to do like, um, I haven't heard any announcement of like a Force Friday event or something like that. Life days in November. <laughs> it is. It is. Bubba Fett's not, not really keen with the looks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got right. pelts. So. Well, <laughs> um, hey, while we're, we're while we're okay. No, I just think it'd be interesting. To, I can't wait to see the what the Fett trailer is going to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's my my most looked forward to thing at all. Period in the year twenty twenty one is is the book of Boba Fett. Um, but what well, I was since the Razor Crest was delayed to twenty twenty two, right? Right. That, that right. Would have been I, was, I was actually just going to talk about that. I'm like, since we're talking about Mandalorian and all that kind of stuff, um, there Hasbro did have a live stream uh, earlier this week and uh, or last week, I guess uh, technically. And anyway. Um, they announced some kind of cool new stuff, but the biggest news was the uh, the update on the Razor Crest. So they showed the box art, which looks amazing. It's you know very vintage inspired with the uh, line art on the back and all the the bright colorful photos on the front and sides and everything. Um, but the big bombshell was the fact that it's going to be delayed to January 2022 instead of fall 19. So it could have been anywhere in November December, and it got. Pu- you know, bumped back a couple months, which is no big deal considering the shipping woes that literally everybody in the world is going through right now. Um, so it's kind of a, a small price to pay, um, especially considering the fact that they're not like jacking up shipping prices or making us pay any more or anything like that. Uh, I definitely don't mind waiting a little bit longer, but we, I know we had just talked about that in recent episodes, like, Hey, when are we going to get an update? Well, we finally got one. So there's that all of you who ordered one with us. Uh, January is your time. Yeah, oh, and the, the Sentinel ship. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, there you go. You go. I was going to say the Sentinels have, are shipping now, so people are already getting them. And then we did get an email that uh, Hero Quest will be shipping in the end of October. So yeah. uh, it's all working out. I'm surprised the Sentinels got here as quick as they did. With uh, Port Nightmare being what it is, uh, it's impressive that they are here and shipping. They look good too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, dude. It, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just shows how 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 early they were ready <laughs> yeah no kidding and then so. at that star wars event they announced the new prototype edition right is it the stormtrooper the like multicolor yeah. thing so oh, yeah it's, it's the third I, I don't really like them either and even the, the vader collector that i am i didn't even end up buying the vader version really? that was the first or the fed you didn't get the fed either i didn't get either of them yeah mm-hmm. um so so to kind of continue the tradition um in the the retro line the ones that are made to look like the 80s 70s and 80s kenner figures um they're also going to be releasing a prototype quote-unquote stormtrooper um which uh is all the bright colorful limbs and torso uh completely mismatched uh like the old prototypes used to be when they would just shoot the different parts of the figure in different color plastic whatever was in the machine so um apparently the first two that they did uh vader and boba fett were popular enough to where they're going to continue the line and do a third there is no new announcements in terms of any other retro collection figures whether it be follow-up on the mandalorian or anything from return of the jedi i expect um 
next year we'll probably hear about uh, stuff that's going to be coming out in 2023 for the 30th or 40th anniversary of uh, Return of the Jedi. So then, then we'll probably get the Jedi uh, retro figures. But until then, um, you know, there's a lot more Mandalorian stuff that they can do if they're going to continue that in the retro line. I like the Mandalorian, uh, the Razorcrest packaging. It looks pretty cool. Oh my god, it looks so good. And uh, they also, and this is this is this doesn't have anything so to do big. with the live stream. <laughs> it is. It's going to be huge. Uh, not as big as the raise as the uh, the sail barge, though. I mean, two of those, two Razorcrests will fit in the same box as a sail barge. But um, uh, the mission series, the mission fleet ones, uh, the smaller kind of aimed for younger kids uh, version of Star Wars action figures. Right now, they're like two and a half inches tall. Um, they made a razor crest for that and that's already out on store shelves or available for pre-order or something like that and it's teeny tiny compared to the to the uh vintage collection three and three quarter inch scaled one but even that's really cool it's just such a neat ship i like seeing the fact that they're actually producing it in other sizes as well and the only way that you can it's not making it so that the only way you can get one as a collector is by getting the giant one through haslab yeah, they, they're going to have the, the True Builder program where you get four Stormtroopers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. You again. get three normal Stormtroopers and then one Squad Commander. And I think they're all going to have the same color pauldron for now. It looks like they're just going to do orange. But it would be yeah. nice if they had kind of like chase figures that were painted like white or, or black or gray or different different pauldrons. But I'm sure, you know, it'd be easy enough to pop one off from other Stormtrooper figures you might already have or Sand Troopers, that kind of thing, and put it on to make different ranks. That's easy to paint, too, if you're a customizer. But that is the coolest thing. They haven't done that in years. I think it's been about 20 years, the early 2000s was when they uh, had also mail-aways, um, and they did it in four packs of Stormtroopers, and then they also had four packs of Fleet Troopers, uh, which was absolutely ideal. But those ones weren't super articulated. This is back, you know, in the before times, before uh, they got, like, really highly, highly detailed. So, uh, yeah, so this is 42, 42 bucks. Oh, it went on sale. I didn't know it went on sale already. It's probably already sold out. Probably. But, but that just, I mean, that's, that's a small just a small hint that maybe you know they're actually listening to collectors that are trying to troop build because uh if you try to get those rug one stormtroopers in their original packaging um you know they sold for 13 bucks in stores you'd be lucky to get them for 20 25 each and they're going for even higher than that now so it's just crazy yeah i saw like their their pipeline where they're going to do uh like the emperor and stuff like that have we have we not had the emperor on a black series card yet <laughs> So, well, we haven't had one. The, the Black Series Emperor is going to be in the archive line, the 6-inch. Um, so he's going to be re-released because he's really expensive on the secondary market uh, for the Black Series collectors. But for the vintage collection, um, he has not. And he's part of the, uh, the, the original 96 that they're trying to, to get out on a vintage collection card back. They did do a vintage collection Sidious before, um, but he was more oh, frequent. Yeah, yeah, and there is a, uh, I think it's a, like, I don't know what con it is, maybe Hascon or whatever, uh, whatever the Hasbro con is. There's an exclusive uh, that's the Emperor in his throne, and it's the exact same Emperor, with the exception of he's got kind of like a chill head sculpt, whereas the carded version is kind of like the crazy eyes and crazy open mouth and everything. <laughs> um, but, Pulse yeah, con? You're talking about Pulse, Pulse con? con? 
thank you. I think that's it. Um, I, I, again, I could be wrong. I know it's a convention exclusive, but it's got this nice little box that unfolds, and it's basically that upper tier where Vader and Luke fight in front of the the Emperor's throne. It's got an actual plastic Emperor's throne, and it's got the whole uh, Palpatine uh, set up there. So, so that's pretty cool, and that's actually already. Uh, hitting certain stores in Mexico of all places. So like people are actually already getting their hands on that, even though the convention that it's supposed to be tied to hasn't happened yet. But um, yeah, good oh, stuff it looks like you, you can still order these, uh, these four packs of troopers. I'm going to order one. Yeah. Get one, man. Those, those are the best troopers that have ever been made. The helmet sculpt is the most accurate by far. The blasters are amazing. They're the rogue one style blasters where they've got like a little flashlight at the end of the E11. So they're a little bit different than the original trilogy, but it's accurate for rogue one and for Mandalorian. Um, if you are a, like a 501st geek and you know, like all the little uh, differences in the costumes and props. Uh, didn't I buy those for you already, Dave? Oh, no, I got you a bad batch special four pack. That's what I got you. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, these are oh, um, okay. a little different. Okay, I was like, because I ordered you something, and those are in like a like a four pack weird box. Yeah, th- those are those are super crazy uh, collectible. Those ones, those those uh, clone troopers for the bad batch uh-huh. set. These ones are basically just four grunts, four basic stormtroopers with um, <laughs> they're all no name troopers. I do uh, like clones. What am I going to go for? It's sold out. Power of the we got the power of the force two the Leia tribute. This yeah, this actual figure cool. was like this actual like figure figure. The original one was the cake topper at my wedding. The oh, green really? carded uh, Princess Leia one. It came with the metal. Is it, oh okay very cool the Yavin. I Leia. still have it. I still have it in the uh, champagne flute that I had at my wedding, and then there was a Han, one of the Han solos as well. Very cool. That's that's not being released. It looks like. Yeah, they're they're being real particular about which ones they're they're releasing on the um, the Power of the Force two nineties packaging, and I think all of them have the fiftieth anniversary of Lucasfilm branding in the top right corner, and it's the first time any of those have been released. You know, on that packaging in that six inch scale, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, I just hate. I don't know. I shouldn't say hate. I don't really care for the prototype figures. I don't. I don't. I, I get the allure that every single one is different, or you know, I guess technically there would be repeats. But if you were to buy ten, you'd have ten different ones. I just, I know, I'm just not into it. Yeah, uh, and that, I think that was the biggest thing that turned me off of Darth Vader, <clears throat> because there were I think there was a finite number of uh, head, torso, arms, and legs combinations, like eight or nine, I think, and then you could also get a, a plethora of different lightsaber colors to go with each of those different uh, set, you know, um, possible um, matchups. So I mean it made it so that there were something like 30 or 40 different versions that you could find out there. And if you were a perfectionist or a completionist, uh, there's no way there's, there's just no way you're not doing it without buying a bunch online and just spending money through the nose. And uh, I wasn't down with that. So for, yeah, for Darth Vader, there were 3,600 different uh, permutations based off of 3,600, 3,600. Yeah. See, that's why. Yeah, because yeah. it's basically eight parts: head, left arm, or right arm, torso, left leg, right leg, lightsaber, and cape. Um, and then, so oh, yeah, I forgot so, about the cape too. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, so, so yeah, thirty six hundred combinations. Wow. 
I'm glad you're here to fact check me when I go off on <laughs> random tangents like this. Uh, yeah, it's just nuts. So you have to you have to get 3,600 of them, Randy. I don't know if uh, I don't know if your lady friend would be down for that. I don't know if my garage can even hold that. <laughs> That's just crazy. Your garage um, can't, I, can't can't repel prototypes of that magnitude. No kidding. I, I would probably have one just to kind of if it's interesting looking and if it was a color combination I liked. Um, and I even saw one. Uh, you know, I don't remember where I was. It had to have been in a store. Um, I saw one in person somewhere, and I'm like, oh well, that's neat. But I don't know. I, I have one of the uh, the retro collection Vaders just uh, just because it was. It, it kind of looks fun next to my all my actual vintage ones, but. I don't know. She's not the same. You look Are the you... same. You don't feel the same. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, the only one I got was a Tarkin. I got the Tarkin retro. Yeah, Tarkin, I forgot. I, I got two of him, too, because I got two of those board games just because I had to own a Tarkin figure. Yeah. Yeah, since he's the, the big name in the new canon. They love their Tarkin. And, and then... Um, I, I did buy the, all the Mandalorian ones too. So I guess I, I didn't just buy Vader. I, I, I did buy the Mandalorian ones too because I will buy anything with the Mandalorian name on it that's three and three quarter inch because I am a sucker. Yeah, Grief Cargo is quite the peg warmer every time I go to Target. It's always a Grief Cargo. Yeah, I, I've only ever seen them on the pegs once and it was at a GameStop. Hmm. So, yeah. What's yeah, a Grief Cargo? Uh, Apollo Creed. Carl Weathers. Oh. Yeah, I see him a lot on my target. He's that the only figure. Sad. Yeah. I mean, there was uh, the lady that got fired. She was there a lot, too. She's very fortunate now. All the people in the secondary market. Yeah, there was always a lot of her. There was always, you know, Rays and Jins and all that. Yeah, my target Charger. sucked so bad that there was, like, Last Jedi Star Wars stuff. <laughs> there wasn't even... Kurt, like Rise of Skywalker, like, wow. we, we're past this. Well, to be fair, there wasn't much Rise of Skywalker stuff released. Honestly, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Less and less every movie. Yeah, it's like they made a super big deal for Force Awakens, and then Last Jedi they knocked it down a little bit, and then after Last Jedi kind of blew up in their face like a like a cartoon. Um, it was a uh, it was a whole lot less after that. Yeah. Oh well, what can you do? I don't know. Well, we can talk about Shang Chi <laughs> in the Legend of the Ten Rings. Twenty-eight minutes later, it's <laughs> pretty good. I know. So it did seventy-one million over the weekend. But if you count the holiday, of course, because it was Labor Day weekend, it did a whopping ninety million dollars domestically. That's that's pretty good. I know David and I went to the motion picture show to see it. I saw it with Josh, and uh, I liked it. I thought it was awesome. I loved every second of it, and. Um, I'm not really one for origin tales, as it were, but uh, this one was fun, festive, had a lot going on for it, and I loved the combat, loved everything about it, thought it was funny, I thought it was, uh, uh, you know, probably one of the, the better movies um, post-Endgame, I'd say that that's fair, since we only had uh, Black Widow, I think I enjoyed it more than Black Widow, I, I, I liked it quite a bit, and I'm here for it, and it sort of, sort of uh, rekindled my my excitement for Marvel movies. And I know that we've of course had like all these Disney plus shows and that's fine and, and fun, but uh, there is something that is to be said about going to the cinema and enjoying um, a Marvel movie again. David, what about you? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, you nailed it on the head as far as origin tales goes. What I think this one had going for it was like, yes, it was an origin tale because it was our, our introduction to Shang-Chi, but he already has powers or, you know, he didn't, doesn't really have powers, but, you know, he already knew how to fight. We didn't have to see some montage of him learning how to fight. You know, that, that bus scene that they've been playing all over, the, all over uh, you know, it lives up to the hype. It's, it's an incredible fight scene uh, and it's like 10 minutes in the movie. <laughs> Um, so yeah. I mean, they're not they're not wasting any time. Like they're you see you you see it like a couple minutes of like him and Aquafina kind of being, you know, just kind of like down in their look, you know, they're parking cars, you know, that seems to be where they're happy to be. And then bam, all of a sudden they hop on a bus, and I'm like, wait a minute, he's wearing the clothes from the scene. He's on a bus. Wow, it's already happening. And then yeah, it's just that incredible fight scene. They got Drago from Creed two in it. <laughs> he's got he's got a hand uh, an arm with a sword on it and stuff like that yeah. uh, it was great it's got hand damage <laughs> yeah and then you know the, obviously we get the origin tale told through like you know backstory but the backstory was 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 i thought really well done it was very minimalistic and you know it really had the emotional resonance uh you know we've been very vocal about like marvel villains you know about how one one dimensional they are and how they're they're just like paper villains and they're disposable to where i think this time they kind of gave us a villain to where you know, you can kind of see his point of view, you know, in some regards, you know, maybe, you know, he has the best intentions, you know, he's, he's not some, he's not some, at the end of the day, he's not some Machiavellian villain who just wants to like rule the world, you know, it's, he's almost reformed and then, you know, set on a different path type thing. So um, it was very exciting. And I, I was here for it. I like the, I actually liked the rings. They were, it was kind of a cool like gimmick, you know, and uh, right. they're kind of weaponized, not just extra power, but they're actually used as there's a utility to them, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I mean, they made them, you know, I'm sure purposely vague as far as, you know, what they can do in their powers and stuff like that. So that, you know, kind of like Wanda's powers for like, you know, uh, Scarlet Witch, you know, whatever, whatever they kind of need it to do, it can do type thing. Right. Yeah, he did get a little dicey though when they're like, "Well, what happens if they don't let you in?" He's like, "Well, then we'll burn down the village." <laughs> like, oh, "Okay, calm down." <laughs> yeah, cool your tits. Spoken <laughs> like a true crazy person. Uh, but yeah, it was fun. Um, in the event that you do not feel safe going to the motion picture show and uh, the cinema, then it is coming out on uh, Disney Plus Premier Access. What, like a month from now? So that's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so save from safety your house. You know, especially if you have a family, you know, it's definitely worth uh, checking out. You know, it's, you know, it's Marvel. So it's, it's, it's an all age affair. Um, I think that there can be a lot to be gleaned from it. And, uh, you know, I know we talked constantly about Endgame kind of being a jumping off point and Black Widow feeling like unimportant just because, you know, we know how that ends. I mean, it was kind of like a prequel of sorts. Uh, it's where this one very much feels like it's going to have significant resonance within the MCU going forward. You know, there's two post credit scenes that, kind of hinted hit hinted things to come. Uh and you know, I think that Shang-Chi will be a a, a big force going forward in the MCU uh, for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. He's just, he's just funny and likable. And yeah. I'm here for Aquafina. Yeah, she's funny. She really now, is. I should have went out and got all the Marvel Legends toys after I saw the movie. I was like, okay, I'm getting this, 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 and this. <laughs> That's funny. I feel bad that I didn't get them and support it before the movie came out. Uh, I probably should have done that, but I got them either way, and I'm happy for it. So, I think yeah, I think some of a movie like that is like going out and buying the toys right afterwards when you're excited about it. Yeah, yeah, and I think Shang Chi was great because you know I don't think most of us had an inkling of who he was or what his powers or what he does. Um, and you know, it was great that we all kind of went into this mostly blind. We knew that there was 
going to be some form of martial arts and he was going to be good at it <laughs> and there was going to be 10 rings. Um, but, you know, it was kind of a nice, pleasant surprise, you know, kind of like when you went in to see Iron Man for the first time, you're like, well, I hear it's probably going to be good, but, you know, I don't, I don't know shit about shit. And then you get Tony Stark built this in a cave from scraps. Right. <laughs> and, uh, it's just so good. Yeah, everyone did an awesome job with the combat, man. It was cool to see Tony Leung and um, uh, Michelle Yeoh again. And then that follow Chan, she was badass. Uh, everything about it was cool. Um, you know, we talked about it at work with sort of all these elements of like Dragon Ball and Last Airbender and just really cool effects uh, that just um, really went a long way. I'm here for it. I saw complaints about the effects, but I really liked them, especially the dragons. I thought the dragons were fucking cool. But yeah. Water. I, I, think, I think you know it's it's funny. So Ray and I worked on this terrible movie called I shouldn't say terrible movie. We all worked hard on it, but there was a movie called Bloody Wedding, and there's dialogue in it to where one of the main characters is a uh, um, what was Jordan's character's name? It was something silly. Do you remember what his character's name was in Bloody Wedding, Randy? Uh, was it Sal something? Sal Bohr was the other movie. <laughs> that, yeah, that was cheerleaders in cyberspace. Um, uh, Jim Swim. Yeah. That's that's not right. Yes, that is it. Yes, it, it doesn't matter at all. He has this this fun little dialogue scene where talk, the girl has a dragon tattoo, and they go on about like, is it a European dragon or a Chinese dragon? And you know, I think most people when they think dragons, they think you know the European dragons with the big giant wings, kind of like you see in Game of Thrones. To where this was kind of like the Chinese dragon, which is kind of like the long like serpentine dragon. Uh, so I think some people are like, that's not a dragon; it's like a giant eel. But I thought it all looked awesome. Yeah, it was cool, and, and I like it when two opposing sides are fighting and then they realize, wow, we shouldn't be fighting each other. This, this thing coming for us is much stronger. Like <laughs> right. up now. Enemy uh, so, of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. So kind of like that at the end, you know, they're all like, Oh, we should, <laughs> we should probably come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And then uh, speaking of Marvel, we have the new Hawkeye show. we got a trailer for that. Uh, Randy, after you watched it, you said that was adorable. So you seem to be a fan Tell me your yeah. uh, your big takeaways. Uh, that looks like the best Christmas movie since uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, oh, or not movie, but series. That's but anyway, <laughs> and I'm teasing, of course, because nothing nothing can beat that movie. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't expecting it to be like a feel-good holiday affair, you know, uh, that they're touting it to be, you know. Um, you know, every good thing in the holiday season comes with a bow or whatever their their marketing tagline is is pretty great. Um, I saw that on some um, social media posts before I even watched the trailer. So I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of clever. And then when I saw that, I'm like, holy crap, it's like this whole thing is just like shoving Christmas in your th- down your throat. But um, it looks fun. It looks interesting. Um, I still say he's like the least interesting Avenger there is, but uh they're giving him something to do, which is kind of fun. Uh, I don't know who the girl is with the affinity for uh, bows and arrows as well, but it's kind of like King he's got Bishop. a protege. King Bishop? Kate Bishop. <laughs> oh, Kate Bishop. <laughs> uh, cool. The name name doesn't clarify anything for me because I'm completely uh, inept when it comes to, to the original comic source material, but uh, still cool. Um, yeah, it's yeah, good to see Haley Steinfeld. Like she, she's from Bumblebee. Yeah, yeah, it just looks like good fun. So um, I'm here for it. She's like a lady Hawkeye, but still, I know, like, I know, I know that you get she she takes on the the moniker of Hawkeye uh, eventually. Spoiler alert: Does that mean he's going to die? I mean, it's a comic that's been around forever, but <laughs> um, 
So no on the spoiler alerts. <laughs> I was uh, sad we didn't get any Yelena for Black Widow in it. Should we? Should we? Yeah, she's not a trailer, but it's eight. She's, I believe, on IMDb. She was credited for eight episodes. Yeah. So I, feel, I think it should be there. It's an eight episode series. I just liked her so much in um, Black Widow that you know, the more I give her, the better. But I'm hoping that they resolve their friction soon. <laughs> I don't. Right. Uh, I want them to team up. Like the three of them, I think that'd be pretty badass. Yeah, like how Kate Bishop, when she introduces herself to Hawkeye, she's like, "Like some say, I'm the world's greatest archer. <laughs> right? Like, Are you one of them? <laughs> I've been known as the songbird of my generation. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna do this. I'm gonna need to listen. To, I'm gonna need to hear you sing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm excited. Um, November twenty fourth is when it's streaming. Eight episodes. Uh, yeah, and and I like that. It looks like it's a. Uh, uh, a low stakes, you know, street level character type thing. It doesn't look like there's going to be a giant beam in the sky or, you know, world ending consequences. It sounds like this is going to be something that just kind of. We like usually a, do a sky beam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're not going to do a sky beam this time. <laughs> all you screen rant fans out there. Oh, <laughs> I watched one the other day and I don't remember what it was, but I was just laughing the whole time. It's funny. We yeah. usually do a sky beam. Um, yeah, I'm excited. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm uh, curious to see you know what kind of implications it has in the Marvel cinematic Marvel universe going forward. You know, obviously he's one of the few Avengers still around. You know, we lost three of the six, um, so we have you know all we have left is Thor, Hulk, and uh, Hawkeye. So yeah, we'll see. Maybe this is what makes him put it up. I was sad we didn't see any Linda Cardellini e- Cardellini either. I uh, I do enjoy her. She was Sam in ER, and of course she was in Freaks and Geeks before she was Hawkeye's wife. But uh, I always like right. seeing her come around. Yeah. I don't. I don't even know if she's in the show. I don't know either. I know the daughter is because that's that's Joe Russo's daughter. I guess they wanted to make fetch happen. Yeah, that's how they do. <laughs> my yeah. father, the founder of Tesla Strudel. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> my dad. My dad directed these last two Avengers movies, so I get to be in the last two Avengers movies. I guess. Yeah. The last I saw. Movie. I saw an article that the Russos are like kind of not wanting to commit to any more Marvel stuff because of the falling out with um, Black, uh, Widow. Black Widow, yeah, and Scarlett Johansson. I think that they have uh, have a bad taste in their mouth for how that was handled. Yeah, I, th- I think Kevin Feige is doing a really good job of damage control because, you know, basically everyone's come out. You know, anyone who's ever been part of the MCU for the first 25 films has come out and been like, did you did you did her dirty? She was in all of these movies for you. <laughs> she did all this work for you, and she was. And you're gonna do her like that. To where I think Kevin Feige is doing a good job of being like, you know, I'm sorry. You know, we're trying to make it right. This is a Disney thing, not a Marvel thing, not a Kevin Feige thing. Um, you know, let me try to make this right. And I'm hoping that he'll be able to make this right with Scarlett Johansson, so that he can repair his relationship. Because at the end of the day, he's the one going out looking for like the Chadwick Bosemans and you know, looking for you know the Simi Laos, you know, from Shang Chi and stuff like that. He's bringing these like A plus talents to Marvel, and if you know they're coming in, they're like, "Wait, well, you just dicked over Scarlett Johansson," and she's like the most famous, popular, huge female movie star right now. What are you gonna do to me? me? (laughs) (laughs) Totally, I know that's terrible. God, I mean, I hope um, in the next uh, Shang Chi movie they get uh, they get pay raises. That would be cool. Oh, I'm sure they will. That's always a pretty big success. They do everything for the minimum at first. Yeah, we got proof of concept. Yeah, that's great. And, and it looks like Simi Lau, um, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing his last name right, 
uh, you know, he's really embracing being like a Marvel hero. Like you see him at like the premieres and stuff and he's signing everybody's autograph. He's talking to like every single kid, you know, he's, he really, really seems to enjoy being part of the MCU. Uh, and I think he's a great ambassador for the MCU. You know, we obviously lost a couple of the ambassadors, you know, through either their characters, you know, passing away or, you know, the unfortunate, you know, Chadwick wasn't passing away. Uh, so we really, really need a new injection of these ambassadors that, you know, are kind of at the fans level that, you know, don't mind, you know, interacting with them and aren't in their ivory towers. Yeah. Uh, ebony and ivory towers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Well, cool. I'm excited. Uh, speaking of excitement, uh, we got a Matrix Resurrections trailer last week. And... Uh, I'm here for it. I'm excited. I mean, first thing I thought of was the architect and how there's all these different uh, sort of cycles that happen. And if that's kind of where we're at, where this is just a new cycle and we got to go through this whole nonsense all over again, I'm okay with that. Um, I think it'll be fun. I have no, obviously none of us really know what it's about, but uh, I think it looks cool and I'm ready for it. And and that is December 22nd, 2021, in theaters and on HBO Max. And IMAX, for crying out loud. So yeah. that's cool. And I think what's great about this is because it was so ambiguous and people are just used to the Matrix, you know, kind of being kind of a foreign out there concept. You know, there's so many different fan theories. And you know one of them's right, but there's so many out there that, you know, it's hard to even track what's going on and stuff like that. Uh, this, uh, th this was my most anticipated film of the year. It was this, and then slightly under that is Doom. Dune, not Doom. Um, and then Book of Boba Fett was obviously my number one, but uh, I, I'm so excited for Matrix 4. I can't wait to you know, hopefully be able to see it in the theater and then watch it again at my leisure on HBO Max for the month that it's out. Um, I, I love that, you know, we got Neo, we got or we got Keanu Reeves, we got Carry On Moss back, hopefully playing Neo and Trinity. Uh, but, you know, some of the synopsis are very very cryptic and can be interpreted many different ways to where some people are insinuating that maybe it wasn't even Neo in the first matrix trilogy. Maybe this is a different Neo. You had mentioned the architect, you know, doing, you know, the, the uh, going back on his word, maybe at the end of uh, revolutions and, you know, just wiping him clean and starting again with another Zion and stuff like that. Um, yeah. There's just so much, so much going on in the trailer and so much amazing stuff. And, they're doing such a great job marketing it to where you went to, I think it was enter the matrix or matrix resurrections.com or whatever. And uh, two days for the trailer. And there was like 180,000 different video clips, like, and it would tell you like what time it was. And yeah, it was, it was so much fun. Yeah. So, so um, is it, is it common knowledge that the, whether or not this is like a true part four or does this, is this a direct sequel to part one and it's going as if two and three never happened. It continues the tale it, 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 so that that's where it gets kind of tricky. So the way the way the way it's worded is, it continues the tale that begun in 1999's The Matrix. So some people are interpreting that as that two and three didn't happen. However, on the website, there's a different synopsis uh, that mentions that makes reference to where it's the fourth movie in the series. So that there's people interpreting it multiple different ways. So. I think we're meant to believe at this juncture that is the fourth one that Matrix one, two, and three all happened. Okay. So what's what's interesting about the Matrix though is that the Wachowskis like canonized all the other media that came with the Matrix movies, including the video games. Right? Uh, there was also the uh, Animatrix. Animatrix. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the Matrix Online was a was a game as well. 
uh, where that went all the way to like that was from 2005 to 2009, and uh, I believe the character Morpheus dies in that game. Um, and so, it, you know, we mentioned off the show that uh, that uh, Morpheus and um, Lawrence Fishburne was not asked to return, but, you know, David mentioned that he was very vocal about never wanting to work with these people ever again. He had a, a miserable time on set and he wasn't even asked to return. So that you could take that as you make your own bed and you lie in it, or it could be that his character is just dead. And so that's why he's not asked to come back. But they did ask Hugo Weaving back and he declined. So, right. Well, he's also a, com- he's also a program. Uh, so his, he's a character that, yeah, he could die, but he could just be recreated. And I mean, I suppose that in the in the grand scheme of things, in the Matrix, uh, the computers could very well just recreate a Morpheus. I, I totally get that. But um, yeah, Hugo Weaving's—he's become a grouchy old man, man. He's—he's he's become like dickish. <laughs> I don't know he's, if he's always been that way, but he well, yeah, he's fighting with all his directors. <laughs> yeah, just, he had a. Get his big old spat with Michael Bay. You know, obviously he's had a spat with Wachowskis. Uh, you know, he was dismissive of Peter Jackson. And, you know, it's like, no one's going to hire you. You're an asshole to everybody. Right, right. I don't know. I don't get it. So there's that. But I, I'm curious to see how this plays out. I'm very excited for it. I know that I have a lot of questions now. And I wouldn't be surprised if we have more questions after we watch it. And, you know, are is there going to be sequels to this movie? You know? Um, is this is this where where are we going next? We were already talking about where we're going next, and we haven't even seen the movie yet, which is crazy uh, when you think about it. But uh, I'm here for it, man. I can't wait. Yeah, this is this is a planned new trilogy. So I mean, if if I mean if this bombs, you know, then this will stand here. But if it's a success like we think it'll be, you know, it could be a brand new trilogy. Uh, there's a YouTube channel called Matrix Matrix Explained. I think I've plugged it once or twice before on the, the podcast. Um, he does a fantastic job of like just breaking things down, and you know, uh, like you had mentioned, you know that they had canonized all of the previous media for for the Matrix. So he does a lot of great deep dives into like what happened in like Matrix Online. You know, there's a lot that happened with like Ghost and Naomi and stuff like that. Um, and uh, he does a great job of interweaving like that those stories with you know the Animatrix and with the Matrix films that we know know and love. Um, and uh, so it, it, it's real great. He's like I said, his YouTube channel is Matrix Explained. He's not affiliated with us. We don't know him. Uh, he just makes some really good content, uh, and he does um, some great, just like pontificating, like who is who could you know, Patrick Harris's character be? He could be the architect. He could be this person. He could just be a shrink in, in the real world. Who knows? Right. No, one hundred percent. I also like that video game Enter the Matrix. That was really fun. You mentioned uh, the diff- uh, Ghost and Nairobi. That's who you, you basically play as them in the game. So you get to see you know their missions while you know, the Nebuchadnezzar is doing their own thing. You get to see this other side of the story, which is really cool. I dug it. Yeah, there's just so much going on outside of, you know, what Morpheus is doing. Right. No, it's cool, man. I, I love that game. I beat the shit out of it so many times. It got really hard. I had to cheat. I, there was these, basically, you can enter in codes to make yourself a little bit more Neo-ish. <laughs> and, and, you know, be practically bulletproof, which made it a lot more of a fun experience to where... You know, you're a veteran inside the Matrix, and you can, you know, do all the dodgy and 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 stuff, and, and take down agents, which yeah. I can appreciate as someone. And I like the social commentary people. of, you know, everyone's on their phones except for Neo, and he just doesn't understand why they're glued to their phones and he's not. Um, so I think it's it can have very interesting, you know, social implications on 
you know our current state of affairs. Sure, that's great. Looking forward to it. I like it when a movie is a little bit too deep for me, and I need to do some research. (laughs) Or, or it wouldn't be a terrible idea if we all left the fourth Matrix, being like, maybe I shouldn't look at my phone this much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know it's true, man. Like, I can't. Like, when I wake up, when I go to bed, I'm looking at my phone. You know, I'm checking Twitter feeds and looking at Instagram and all sort of, but reading news articles and stuff, just kind of getting caught up with the day. And then I go to bed, and when I wake up, first thing I do is see what time it is, but I use my phone to do that. And I'm like, well, since I have my phone in my hand, I might as well see what's going on in the world. It's been it's, The East Coast is three hours ahead, man. It's already 10 o'clock in the morning over there. There's a lot going to happen between now and 10. And, you know, interestingly enough, we just had the, the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and when I got up at 7 in the morning, our time, Pacific time, the towers were already crumbled and down. You know, that's that just goes a whole. They've already lived what felt like an eternity uh, while I was asleep in my bed over in New York, and I woke up to this tragedy. And I just remember thinking, "Holy shit! How long have I been asleep?" And there was our—I mean, the sun was just coming up where I was living, and that was so weird that this whole other world exists just on the other side of the country. I remember being blown away by that. Do you know that China only has one time zone? I can appreciate that. that they've, they, they've, they've adapted it to where the entire country is on the same time zone, even though it's, you know, big, it's, so the, big. it's the same, if not bigger than the U S and, you know, we have three time zones. So you right. know, it's getting dark early in some parts of that country. Yeah. That's neither here nor there, but sorry. No, it's fine. It is just, it's interesting how so much of our lives revolve around the phone. I remember seeing this photo where it was like, uh, like at an airport or a restaurant and everyone was on the newspaper and it was like, you know, whatever, 50 years ago and every human being has their face planted in a newspaper and then it's like, you know, whatever, 2018 and it's just everyone on their phones and how we're just, that's our new thing. Do you guys get like every week on your phone, like a, a usage report? Like saying, <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't look at it. Time, really yeah, your screen time is down 5% from last week. My, okay, so I had a terrifying <laughs> one this past weekend. It says it is up 36% from the previous week. And before then, I fluctuated 5% up, 5% down. 36% up. What the fuck was I doing last week that I was glued to my goddamn screen as long as I was? Yeah, so I listen to a ton of podcasts. And even though it's in my pocket and off and I'm just listening, it counts that as time. So like, usually mine's like, you use your phone nine hours a day. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like four of those are like passive hours or like because... If I'm going into work, you know, I'm using my phone to like listen to a podcast, listen to music or something like that. It counts that. Um, but I've been trying to uh, charge my phone in a different room. Like, so I've, I've been trying to sleep in a room that didn't have my phone. Um, we kind of had something that kind of scared me that my phone was right next to me uh, last week. So I am keeping it in the same room, but I'm trying to avoid doing what Justin was saying. I'm trying, I've, I've been doing some like headspace stuff. So I'm trying to minimize the amount of time. I'm trying to fall asleep without staring at the screen. I'm trying to wake up and not instantly go to my screen. Yeah, that's yeah, good for I, you. Don't that, that does sound good. I, I, I need to try to get on that train because uh, that goddamn thing rules my life. Right. And what is your I, What actually, is your average screen time? If you don't I don't know. I, I, oh. I don't remember, and I don't want to look it up because it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, but I it's will like, tell you like this: when you play WoW and you do backslash play it or something. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that was terrible too. Um, now, I actually accidentally left my, my phone at home this morning when I went to work, and I left it in the bathroom. 
and I didn't realize it until after I'd already been there for about an hour. And I wasn't in the building where I thought I left it at work when I first got there because I ended up having to do all kinds of stuff first thing in the day. And I'm like, oh, my phone's in the other building. My phone's in the other building. I go back to where it is, and my phone's not there. I'm like, oh, shit. It's like this weird, deep, deep sense of panic. And then I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'm just going to contact my wife and see if it's at home because, you know, she probably will have found it by now if I left it behind. And it's like, I don't know her phone number off the top of my head. <laughs> And then it's like, okay, our, our, our means of communication uh, isn't even texting. It's like uh, Facebook Messenger because um, I don't get signal in, in some of the buildings on campus where I work. So I have to be able to use something that uses Wi-Fi. And it has to be because we, won't, we, don't, we both don't have iPhones. So we can't like iMessage over Wi-Fi. It has to be something that we could do that can message over a Wi-Fi signal. So Facebook Messenger is what we use to communicate. I go you to don't know your wife's phone number? I mean, I'm pretty sure I do, but I also am pretty sure she wouldn't answer it if a random number called. Right, um, right. But but it gets worse. So then I go to log into Facebook from my from my office computer, and it's like, oh yeah, you've selected to do two factor authentication. So we're gonna send it a, a fucking six digit code to your phone that you're gonna have to put in. I'm like, motherfucker, the whole reason I'm even using the crap is because I don't have my goddamn phone with me. So I mean, That's the reason if, I'm if using I, a stupid desktop version. Seriously, it's like. I, I it's weird. Like I, I haven't been on the desktop version of, of Facebook in literal years. So it's weird to even attempt to log in that way. But anyway, um, I live very close to where I work. So thankfully uh, I was able to like, after I'd been to work for two hours, I'm like, well, I'm going to take a quick break. I ran home, found my phone and came back. But it was also a matter of like, did I leave it somewhere at work when I first got there? Did it fall out of my pocket when I was getting out of my car? You know, is it being, you know, stripped and sold for parts? Like, you know, what's, what's going on? So, um, but yeah, all all because we are fucking glued to that thing so many hours of the day that there is a deep sense of of like withdrawal when you don't have it. Sure. So I looked at mine and it was four hours and forty minutes. So assuming that I sleep for eight hours a day, more than twenty five percent of my time awake is spent, you know, using my phone. That is terrifying. Yeah, four, four hours doesn't seem that bad. Yeah, mine is uh, more than that. It's so so yeah. I, well, the reason I've been trying to avoid my phone is because so much of my 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 job is attached to my phone. To where like, if I'm just fucking around on my phone, I, I I usually every day I'll have like text messages from like my boss and like our CEO and stuff like that. So the second I see them, I feel like obligated to like interact with them. And so it, it it's not even that I would mindlessly scroll through shit. I just would feel bad. Is that eight hours fourteen? Yeah, I'm supposed to say that loud. Sorry, I, I was showing it to you guys. <laughs> Sorry, it was blurry over the camera, so they wouldn't have to say it out loud. Sorry, but yeah, eight but, hours but, and fourteen minutes. So yeah, that's half of your. I mean, if you were a normal human being that that slept for eight hours each day, that's yeah. literally half of your day. And that, I mean, you figure averages are affected by by um, you know extreme scores. So I mean, you're gonna have your short days, like the days where you forgot your phone at home, where it, right. you're getting cheated out of two of your hours. But then there's going to be the days where you just can't do anything else. You're just bored out of your mind. And and like David, a lot of my time is spent with work too. Um, and so uh, it is kind of rough, especially when you're running social media accounts where you're always on your phone. And I see, I find myself, you know, answering tweets and fucking Instagram messages while I'm laying in bed, and that's terrible, and I shouldn't do that. But I do. I haven't broken free. So Dave's got so two not, phones. He's a drug yeah, dealer. Right I have I have two phones, and so the six hours was on my main phone, but my work phone I use 
almost as much as my other phones. So, yeah, that's uh, a lot. You know, and a lot of time, you know, a lot of times I'll take like uh, meetings, you know, on my phone instead of on my desktop because I have we do everything through Teams. Uh, so I'll do that just so I can kind of like pace around, just because a lot of times you're on calls, it gets irritating. So I'm like, yeah, just pace around the backyard. I'll lay, like today, I took a meeting at, or our evening meeting. I, I literally laid on my grass in the backyard with with Kyla, and nice. <laughs> we just laid there. I sat in my broken chair. Yeah, sorry. It's fixed now. Well, I mean, I have a replacement, but it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, so talking about being trapped in a world, you know, it's, you know, there's, there's theories on that this, this matrix does exist and that we're living in it. And it's so funny here. It's so absurd. But when you think about it, you literally are glued to your little, you know, six inch screen or whatever the hell. And that's, that's just part of like, um, you know, when you go to a concert, and I hate it when I watch somebody you know, performing live, and the person in front of me is literally watching this magical show through the lens of their fucking camera phone. It drives me insane. It's like, dude, you have the best seat in the house, and you're looking through your fucking phone, and you're recording this. It's gonna sound like garbage anyway when you play it back. It's yeah. So stupid. Don't do it. And yeah, I was at a play back anyway. No, I don't really not. So yeah, we uh, we took uh, Luke, uh, Amy, and I, and a couple of friends. We went to see the the Hello Mega show, the one that's got. It was a uh, Weezer, um, Fall Out Boy, and Green Day, and uh, like Green Day's on stage for all of like three seconds, and he like just she yells the answer. I want all you motherfuckers to put all your fucking phones away. We've been stuck in the house for eighteen months doing nothing but stare at our phones. We're just gonna live in the moment tonight, and so everyone put their phones away. And you know, obviously some people didn't, but like, like we saw a lot of people like just put their phones away. It's like he's right, and like that was like the whole message of like that because they were the closers. Like their whole set was like, you know, we've been so disconnected from each other for so long. Let's all come together and like share this night together and, you know, like be together and be in the moment and stuff like that. And it, it actually, uh, I know it's silly to, to be moved by a, you know, a rock band that, you know, got their kicks, they singing songs about masturbation and stuff. Right. But, uh, it, was, it was a very powerful message that, you know, he had like, he's like, he's like, he's like, dude, we've been staring at screens for 18 months. They're only, only portal to the outside world. We're literally outside under the stars. It was like a 70 degree evening. It was a perfect evening. He's like, we got a badass show for you. So put your phones away and let's just be together. And, uh, and uh, I think it, it was this nice shift in the crowd and everyone was like, yeah, let's fucking do this. Let's pull the roof off Dodger stadium. It doesn't yeah. have a roof. That's Mission true. accomplished, it, I guess. It was already, it's already blown. <laughs> Well, cool. I ever tell you the only concert I ever went to at Dodger Stadium? Um, I had a fucking pole right in front of my seat. <laughs> like the foul pole? <laughs> yeah, it was like a the baseball. Yeah, yeah. The yellow foul pole. It's funny. Yeah, I, well, no, 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 no. It was like a, a structural pole out in the um, out in the, the seats. There's a, a fucking like girder or some shit like in in front of like partially obstructing my view. Yeah. I've seen five concerts there. I saw. So we just saw the Hello Mega before that was Paul McCartney. We saw Guns N' Roses, saw Metallica, and then I saw Kiss and the Smashing Pumpkins on Halloween there. Ooh. For all you people who care about my concert going things at Dodger <laughs> Stadium. Wearing Giants gear, probably. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. Poke, the, only, it, the bear, as it yeah. were. The only time I ever got like like legitimate grief was at uh, Paul McCartney. Some guy was like really really hammered i'm like yeah i get it just go away it's cool the guy's got a bunch of songs about live and let die so get lost yeah 
He was a fun concert too because he was like, he was like, he's like, you know what? I know no one wants to hear this song, but I've gotten to the point in my career. I just do what I want. <laughs> so he just like played all these like, there's like a couple like B sides. He's like, okay, now I'll, I'll get back to I'll play I'll play these other songs for you. And then he went to like a bunch of Beatles, like four straight Beatles songs, and everyone was like, yeah, I love you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't care for the Beatles. Listen to you. Wow. I was a opinion. <laughs> I was there for the great. Hot take. He's a talented musician. Yeah, Mr. Beatles, great. Um, all right, so moving on. Furiosa has been delayed to 2024. That's uh, that's quite, it's quite the gap. But um, you know, it is what it is. We know he that it take is... his time making movies. Yeah, George Miller is in no rush. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, how old is he? <laughs> Uh, something with the last one came out. Yeah, he's getting there, but he's not an ageist. But you know what? Uh, I, directors do tend to get better with age. But there's people die though. Point. Yeah. Well, you know, no, who, who's never dying? Fucking Clint Eastwood apparently is never dying. Directing uh, and acting. At yeah, he's 91. like ninety-one. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen Cry Macho yet, but it is no. it is streaming, so it is it is out there to consume. He's a lazy uh, filmmaker. That's what I hear. I hear he does like one take of everything. It's just like we got it. Eh, good enough. Let's move on. Uh, George Miller's seventy six years old. Yeah, I just looked up seventy six. So he's still got some time. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna find waiting. I'm, I'm not in any kind of huge rush to return to the Mad Max universe. And if it's delayed for the right reasons, to make sure that schedules align or that they get the right script or something like that, you know, I'm totally fine. Like I said, I you know, Justin and I were famously down on Fury Road thinking it was just, eh, I don't care about it. And then, of course, it became a great movie. So Yeah, it's like uh, one of my favorites of all time. <laughs> yeah. So if he, if he wants to repeat that magic, he can take as long as he wants. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd be cool if it was completely different, too. You know, like, I mean, as someone, he, you know, that they talk about, like, not wanting to, you know, to challenge themselves as a filmmaker and do like something a romantic different. comedy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I mean... I don't necessarily need a a a circus of destruction. You know, I've I've seen that with Fury Road, and I don't want him to necessarily replicate that. I just want really good kick-ass storytelling, if that makes sense. Do you want it completely devoid of Mad Max, or do you want Mad Max to have some small part in the movie? Well, I don't know. It's a prequel, and oh, it's so, a prequel. Oh, never mind. yeah. So I don't think he'll. It's more of a more of a spinoff, like. Uh, like uh, you know, fucking facts of life, and Mrs. Say, like, Garrett. She didn't really see Mr. Drummond when she went to her school. <laughs> like Attack of the Clones. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was reaching for spinoffs. There's a lot of fucking spinoffs these days. Uh, like Book of Boba Fett. So every time yeah. we can plug that fucking show in this. Or right? or fucking Penguin, right? Penguin's gonna get a spinoff headed to HBO Max. Show and this is basically Matt Reeves's Penguin from The Batman, which is currently played by Colin Farrell. He has been approached, uh, but no deal is inked just yet. But because he's only in like like I don't know somewhere between five to seven scenes in The Batman, uh, he's a pretty uh, n- you know notorious character. So it would be definitely cool to see his rise to power in Gotham. So uh, I think this is cool. I like the idea of these of Warner Brothers just kind of added. We were talking about Matrix and how there was all this other media that was tied into the Matrix, uh, whether it be video games or comic books or the Animatrix. Um, it is cool and also Warner Brothers property uh, to have 
this extra little lure where you don't necessarily have to watch this supplemental material to appreciate the rest. But if you do, I think that it's kind of neat just to kind of, you know, just sort of digest the whole meal instead of just a couple of pieces. I'm for it. You are you are a pro meal podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be great. I mean, uh, the more like focus groups and test screenings and like audience like uh, screenings that we hear from the Batman, it's it seems like this is just like a home run on all fronts. And mm -hmm. I do worry. The last time I had seen such praise heaped on a movie was the Last Jedi. I remember everything coming out of that was just oh my god! I can't believe that Ryan Johnson did this and that. Uh, I have more faith in Matt Reeves. You know, he's got a more proven track record. Um, but I am incredibly excited to see you know, everyone's just going on about, you know, Pattinson is perfect. He's got the, that perfect voice. He's got, you know, just like the visceral like nature of the film and how it's shot and how it's you know, edited, um, that it just has this, 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 this nasty vibe to it. And, uh, I'm here for it. And, you know, I, I love Colin Farrell. I was just watching horrible bosses the other day. Cause I was flipping through a lot to watch something. <laughs> That I had on there. It's funny. He's, he's so fucking good in that. I mean, that movie's great. I love both Horrible Boss movies, uh, but he is just a delight in the first Horrible Bosses. He's like, I want to fire all the fat people. He's like, he's like, what? I want to fire her. She's not fat. She's pregnant. I was like, ugh. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think what's cool about this spinoff is that it, uh, you know, it's it's going to be part of the movie. You know what I mean? So it's in the same universe. So the events have consequences like they have rules that they have to stick to which i think goes a long way whereas we had that show gotham and it was its own little world and its own little entity and its own canon so you know it, it played by a different set of rules i like how this one's going to be tied to it just like peacemaker same thing um and even like the disney plus shows with uh with marvel you know short of the uh the what if series everything else is playing by the rules of the mcu which i think means a little bit more you know when when highlander i was a big highlander fan when i was a kid and then when the show came out and it's this whole other separate like weird continuity even though connor mcleod was in the first episode you know he's he won in the movie and now all of a sudden there's all these other assholes that show up it kind of took something away from it in a weird way and so i had to i had to separate my movie lore from my tv show lore and now with with the, with the idea of these shows i don't have to do that anymore it's all connected and i can appreciate that brandy what about you? Um, I mean, I'm down for anything that that's more Batman material or anything else set in Gotham. Um, the Penguin was never a very interesting character to me, even after Batman Returns with the uh, the amazing Danny DeVito performance as Penguin. I, I just never really got into the character. It wasn't until that Gotham series, which was largely kind of trash, that was like the the Penguin in that show was probably the best thing out of it. But that really kind of proved to me that penguin could be an interesting character and mm -hmm. um and obviously this isn't going to be that same penguin from uh gotham or the same approach to it or even a similar approach to it but i have at least seen the fact that that character has a lot of potential so uh i'm i'm excited about it just because of that yeah um, I, I think robin lord taylor he was the actor that played penguin uh, I thought he was great. I mean, I, I only watched the first season of Gotham, but I really enjoyed him as an actor and on-screen talent. I thought he was great. Totally. Yeah, I love that it's just another way to expand the lore and the storytelling. You know, one of the big knocks on the the DCEU, uh, you know, that wasn't part of the MCU problem, was that it just felt like everything was so rushed and so fast and didn't have time to, like, 
dig their tendrils into the zeitgeist of, of our fandom, you know, this is exactly what they need. You know, they're launching, you know, they, they launched the Suicide Squad and, you know, now they already have the Peacemaker show they're launching, you know, the Batman they're going to have, you know, maybe this Penguin show, you know, it just allows them to continue to tell stories, you know, in that, uh, in that universe uh, while growing it and expanding it and getting us more invested, introducing more characters, you know, TV shows are great because they can take more risks because, you know, it's less expensive, you know, they can pivot much faster and much easier than they can during a film. Uh, so, you know, it's all, it's all great news. Uh, and, you know, hopefully the DCEU takes kind of its, its cue from, you know, kind of what Marvel's doing uh, or what Star Wars is doing um, or just says, you know what, they're doing something great. Let's try something different um, and just tries to knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. So I, I always liked Penguin. I thought he was fun because uh, at least in the the 66 Batman, you, know, you have Burgess Meredith and his Penguin is just trying to break into high society. <laughs> like he's got no money. But he sees all these people going to all these fucking, uh, you know, galas and and operas and just he wants to live in that high society and he just can't. It never works out. And there's something to be said about that. Like we all kind of a lot of people daydream about that kind of lifestyle. Like like every time I watch the episode of the Gossip Girl, they're just fucking going to these parties, you know, and they just have all these amazing outfits and and there's. There's all sorts of fun drama that's happening, unfolding, like rich people drama that I wanted to be a part of. And so I can appreciate that with, with Penguin. And uh, obviously that switch gears in, in Tim Burton's Batman Returns, where he's just this gross guy with a bunch of black shit coming out of his mouth, and he's a little dicey. But uh, I do think that there is something to be said about the Penguin character. I like how he's just trying to fit in, and he is different. I think that that's uh, relatable in a lot of ways. So that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> got a cigarette holder. He's got the white gloves. Man, if I was just a little bit shorter, I could. I could probably. He does. Um, I could probably cosplay as like the the sixty six bat or sixty six penguin. I think that'd be cool. Got to get one of those sweet uh, umbrellas that's got the little spiral on it so you can twist it and hypnotize people. Yeah. You do love the 66 Batman. I do. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I hope my kid likes it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I almost want to brainwash him to like, like Scooby Doo, like the old, like, 60s Scooby Doo. So that's a fantastic idea, Justin. I did that experiment with my children and made them watch like Transformers and Mask and DuckTales and all the cool shit I watched as a kid. And then they went to school and had nothing to talk to their friends about. <laughs> because they're like, oh, man, did you watch blah, 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 Jake and the Pirates or whatever? And they're like, they're like, no. Or they were at like somewhere and they're like, there was like a Huey, Dewey, and Louie. He's like, hey, let's Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And they're like, who, who, and who? What are you <laughs> So, so I, I encourage you to uh, definitely do that plan of making them watch the cool shit that you watch the kid, but also sprinkling in what the other kids are watching. So right, you don't right. turn them into those weirdos at the playground. So I definitely also want them to watch like the old Disney cartoons. Like, and what I always thought was cool is that my dad he remembered them all. So it was cool that I was watching the same cartoons that my dad saw when he was a kid, and they're so funny. Like I, I love all the like the goofy. Uh, like how to like to do it yourself type stuff. Like yeah. I can watch this shit for hours, dude. I think it's so funny. Or anytime they have a project, like the one where they got a, the three of them build a boat and it's just a nightmare. Like I love shit like that. I think it's so funny, and I hope that they enjoy it too. We'll see. Time will tell. And and they will because I mean your kids will love watching 
shit with you, and then plus if they don't know any better, <laughs> yeah. Make them, um, but yeah, every so often, and then every so often, throw an episode of Doc McStuffins or something in there, so they're they're down with the clown. So when they watch Adam West as Batman, and then they see Robert Pattinson as Batman, they have a heart attack. They're like, "What the fuck? Why are you making me watch this?" Well, it sounds shit? like the Batman's going to be R-rated, so they probably won't see it for uh, for a decade or so. Six, six years. I got to show them RoboCop on their sixth birthday. Yeah, see, so you have a message. So did, did your, were your sisters also very good with like R-rated movies at a young age too? Yeah, all three of us. Okay. And Alex was too? Uh, no, she wasn't really a movie person. Okay. So yeah, so I had that issue that like, you know, because I watched the same thing, R-rated movies at a really young age, but like I could handle it. And uh, I have two kids and I know one can and one can't. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a fun little balancing act you get to do as a parent. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I remember being uneasy when we saw. So, I mean, at, you know, Beetlejuice came out in 1980, whatever. What, eight, maybe? When was Beetlejuice? Sure. It's before Batman, and, so yeah, probably 88. And so I remember just like the, the creepy, eerie music at the beginning, and it's going over the model. And I remember being really nervous. But once the movie started, I was fine. But just the, the creepiness of the shot of going over the town model and the music playing <laughs> and that tarantula coming up over the house, I was like, ah, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> But it all went away. I was like, oh, right. yeah, I'm fine now. And it was mostly goofy. Yeah, it really was. But I, I just remember being like, what? What did my parents drag me to see? What is this movie? I don't think I like it. And, and you got then, the nice fucking model and you were sold. Yes. I think it has a lot going for it. Like, even like the dance, like when they take over the dinner table and they're singing. That's a um, but it does have a. There's a comedy to the death in this movie, you know, like when they go to the waiting room to see their caseworker and everything. And there's, they're surrounded by, by death, but even the guy that got ran over by a car, you know, it's kind of funny. And, you know, the woman that slit her wrists, you know, she's just, you know, filing paperwork and stuff. You're just like, I didn't get that as a kid, but when I got older, I was like, well, that's some, that's some dark yeah. shit. You commit suicide to become a civil servant in hell or in the afterlife. <laughs> That's pretty. Uh, it's interesting. Sandworms. Right. <laughs> I hate <it> myself. <laughs> it's so funny. Anyway, it, it was it was interesting. I, I'm curious when the first time I ever heard about somebody dying was my auntie Florence, and I know this is kind of a weird tangent, but it was before I was uh, seven, and I only know that because I was living in San Diego at the time. But when I remember my mom telling me that my auntie Florence had passed away. And I didn't quite know what that meant until she said, we're never going to see her again. And then I got really sad and I started crying. And that was like my first like exposure to death. And I remember thinking about that when in Kill Bill, when they're talking about the goldfish and how, you know, he's talking about how uh, she had a goldfish and then she stepped on it. He accidentally, he died. Well, how did he die? Well, he accidentally fell out of his fishbowl over here. Well, how'd that happen? And he accidentally landed on my foot. And so she stepped on, but she had to learn the concept of death with this goldfish. And while that conversation's happening, I remember thinking about my Auntie Florence. And I thought that was interesting. There's someone that was born in Armenia, you know, it's crazy. And she, the stories that she would have been able to share with me as an adult would have been kind of cool. And I never really got to experience that. I don't know where I was going with this, but. That's okay. It all just kind of popped in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Speaking of death and dying, uh, No Time to Die. 
Yeah, There's a new James Bond movie that we forgot about until like two weeks ago. It's a thing. And it's nearly three hours long. Wouldn't you believe it that this movie is actually freaking 163 minutes. That's that's two hours and 43 minutes. And that's about 15 minutes longer than Spectre, which was already a bit, felt like a billion hours. And honestly, I think all the Daniel Craig Bond movies feel kind of long now that I think about it. But uh, are you prepared to sit in a motion in at the cinema for three hours for a Bond movie? Can you do it? Can you handle it? I, I, I'm not excited about it. I, it makes me <laughs> want to see the movie less. Like, does it? I mean, honestly, that's that's way too long for you know, you know, there 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 are certain types of movies, and you know, the the 148 minute mark that Spectre was was felt like an eternity, and I just some movies don't need longer doesn't make mean better a lot of times. So mm-hmm. hopefully, in a couple of weeks, I'm eating crow, eating my words, but. Um, I, I, I even seen, I haven't really seen anything in the marketing that makes me think that like this movie needs to be almost three hours long. What about you, Randy? You're a pretty big Bond fan. Um, I am, and I have no problem with long movies. So uh, bring it on. It makes me more excited. More Mo Bond, Mo better. Right. I think my chief Mo complaint Bond. with with <laughs> my, my, my chief complaint with most movies that I dislike usually tends to revolve around like pacing and length. And, you know, yes, there are movies that are over three hours that are incredible. And there are movies that need to be three hours to, like, tell you know the full tale. Um, just nothing in the last 25, 24 iterations of James Bond has led me to believe that James Bond is one of those franchises. Like, like even the ones I like, like my favorite ones, I, I didn't look at those and be like, you know what? I, I could have done, like, 25 more minutes of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I do think that it is long. And I'm, there's going to become a point where I'm going to be like, fuck, I got to pee here. Oh, this movie's still going on. And I, I'll look at my watch and just do the math really quick and be like, I really got another hour and a half. <laughs> right. that, that doesn't happen. Because you look at the trailers and everything else, and it just looks like, I don't know, every Daniel Craig Bond looks like the same exact movie to me. And I, I hate that because I think Daniel Craig is phenomenal. But like this just looks like, the same movie that I've seen like four times already and uh, I'm worried that that means I'm already not super interested or invested in it and now it's going to be long so well I hope you love it me too you have your stub hub or AMC plus AMC plus yeah, yeah. <laughs> well well I guess we, we, we know what the longest James Bond movie is do you guys don't look do you guys have any guess on what the shortest James Bond movie is it 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 it, it surprised me the shortest the shortest okay. James Bond movie Quantum I'll throw of Solace say Goldeneye Quantum of Solace was 106 minutes it is far and away the shortest of the James Bond movies wow. Dr No and Goldfinger are both 110 those are the next closest ones but it's crazy because well, so Doctor No feels like it's an eternity too. I think that movie is slow as fuck. I can't stand that movie. Yeah. So if you if you take the Daniel Craig Bond movies, you know, Casino Royale was 144 minutes, a Spectre 148 minutes, Skyfall 143 minutes, and then Quantum Solace is 106. <laughs> Quantum of Solace is more than a half hour shorter than like every other Daniel Craig Bond movie. But I think they MGM was having money problems. <laughs> Maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, when that yeah, movie it came out, they uh, they were going broke. Well, okay, so here's a couple fun, fun fun questions. How many James Bond movies do you think are under two hours? What's your guess? One. No, you, three. 
Three. He's named a couple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Randy? How many? How many of the twenty-five James Bond movies are under two hours? I'm gonna say five. It is six. There are hey. six under two hours. Doctor No is 110 minutes. From Russia with Love is 115. Goldfinger is 110. You Only Live Twice is 117 minutes. Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies is 119 minutes, just under the cut. And Quantum of Solace is 109, 106 minutes. Wow. How, all right, now here's the fun one. How many Bond movies are over an hour and 20 minutes? Over 140 minutes. Over 140 minutes? Yeah, over 140 minutes. Over two hours and 20 minute run times. Uh, just the newer ones, I think. <laughs> I'm going to say lightning does strike, strike twice, and I'm going to say six. I'm going to say three. The answer is five. You were on the right track there, Justin. You know, obviously, uh, you, you, you never die twice or <laughs> no no time to die uh, is going to be over. Spectre was over. Skyfall was over. Casino Royale over, was over. And surprisingly, on Her Majesty's Secret Service is 140 minutes long. Oh, man. That's the George Lazenby, right? Yeah, it's yeah. two hours and 20 minutes, George Lazenby, which is seeing quite the uh, resurgence. You know, people are, are, are that are just finding Lazenby's film are... Uh, it's actually becoming a more endeared and uh, and really really loved entry in the James Bond movie franchise. Um, on, the, on the other side, uh, most people are are no longer digging on the Roger Moore. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that if we were to rank our James Bond movies, uh, a couple of the Roger Moore movies like Moonraker and Octopus, he would probably fend near the very bottom of the list. But um, I think in the era of misogyny. <laughs> Um, you know, in the Me Too era, you know, Connery and uh, Roger Moore uh, are definitely taking a hit <laughs> with modern audiences. Yeah, I don't think I like any of his. Oh, Roger Moore's? Yeah. Uh, it's hard because he was a James Bond when I was a kid, and mm. my grandfather was running the James Bond, so you know, I always watch it. I think Man with the Golden Gun's pretty good. Um, View to a Kill. Still is, Christopher Lee, though, right? Yeah, and Tattoo. Oh. Um, I think um, Vito Kills not bad because you know, it's got Christopher Walken as a villain. That's pretty cool. Plus, it takes place in like Silicon Valley at the the beginning, the birth of microchips. <laughs> um, and I like that uh, Jaws. Jaws is one of uh, Roger Moore's main adversaries. Yeah, he's in a couple I, of them. Yeah, and I think he's a fun villain in in the pantheon of James Bond. Mm-hmm. So I like I like Timothy Dalton. I like License to Kill. I like Living Daylights. I like. Uh, half of the Pierce Bronson ones, maybe. Yeah. How many did he do? Four. He did four. You like, okay, like, like, like Goldeneye, and then I like yeah, Die Another Day, and then I, I can't stand the other two. Uh, yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow Never Dies. And, oh my God, those are terrible. They are the <laughs> Devon of fucking Bond movies, and um, and then I love all of the. Uh, Craig minus Spectre. Spectre. Although I hated it a little less the last time I watched it, uh, which was uh, last year. Watched it for Don't Be Crazy, and uh, it's not it's not terrible, but it's just so boring. And I feel like all the all the chase scenes are just in in slow motion or like a car commercial. I don't know. There's something about them that just didn't sit well with me. It was kind of too. It was almost like a laissez-faire approach to Bond, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, we're here, we're making it, and it's we were banking on it just being a Bond movie to make it cool, and it wasn't enough. 
Yeah, and then Aquanimus Assault is being so short. Uh, you know, 2007 had the big uh, writer skilled strike, uh, and so I, I don't know if they went shooting with the full script. And I think they went kind of like they did in Iron Man that same year, to where they just kind of wrote it. What they showed up, they're like, "We're going to shoot here today. What should the scene be?" Right. Have so a bomb that's cool and shoot somebody. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna be dealing with oil on this day. Yeah, that was weird. But I, I like Quantum Assault, so I think it's fun. I know you do. Is there any more else? No, that was that just, just a couple, couple little fun, uh, fun little, uh, little James Bond trivia things. Always Randy, so interesting. Randy, are you a con? Or uh, I'm sorry, con? Are you a Connery Bond? Is that and, and Daniel Craig? Is that are those yours? Yeah, I've always been a Connery guy. Um, you know, growing up, and then when Daniel Craig took over um, after Casino Royale. Um, I, I wasn't 100% sold after Casino Royale, but he's grown on me over the years. Um, I, I, I'm hesitant to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. He's probably my favorite Bond. Daniel Craig is? Daniel Craig, yeah. Uh, so he, he finally surpassed Connery in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Daniel but Craig I, I really, is... That's right. I was just going to say, I really dig the modernization of the Bond movies, though. Yeah, I, th- I think the I think the modern storytelling. Uh, I think Daniel Craig gets a big kick out of that, to where, you know, um, especially the Roger Moore, they're very much relics of that seventies, eighties film era, and you know that's not a lot of those sensibilities are not um, as attractive today. Uh, I think I think Pierce Brosnan movies still 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 stand up, uh, to where you know he may be my favorite Bond. Like I said, I have a special place in my heart for for. Uh, Roger Moore, um, and of course Connery's iconic, um, and I like Daniel Craig. But like I said, I just I just feel like all four movies are the same movie. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I got to rewatch them. Like all the other ones, like all the other ones, just feel different. Like they all have like they all feel very different. And um, maybe I'm just not giving them enough credit. But for for me, a lot of the Daniel Craig movies, like you could show me a scene and. I, I may not be able to isolate which Daniel Craig movie it came from, but if you showed me, you know, a scene from Octopussy, you know, that takes place like in like a Russian circus and Moonraker takes place in space and, you know, from Russia with love takes place on like a ski lodge or some shit. Mm-hmm. I wonder right, if, that's one. I wonder if them being in the sixties and early seventies has anything to do with that. And just like racial stereotypes and how that was done in film. Whereas, the newer ones aren't necessarily like that. I it could be. The, there, there's, there's a lot of yellow face in early Bond movies. There's just, just a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. I, like, like, like all the other races, like they got actors of that ethnicity. But like, for whatever reason, like anytime there's an Asian, it's dude, it's a white dude in yellow face. And it's, it's jarring. <laughs> it is. It really is. But I mean, because Daniel Craig, you know, 2006 to... Mm-hmm. To 2021 now that's a that's a long that's a 15 year span of playing james bond that's pretty good that's solid yeah i mean that's but, a that's a huge swath yeah uh what is that five movies he's done yeah i mean and, uh connery connery did six plus a reboot under a different you know whatever production but um his were a little bit more back to back to back like seven, yeah. like nineteen sixty-one to seventy-one, or whatever the fuck it was. So yeah, and I, I, th- I think the you know films take longer to make nowadays. Plus, you know the whole MGM 
collapse, I think, uh, kind of expanded, you know, when the length of time in between films for Daniel Craig, because you've seen around 2006, then 2008 with uh, Quantum of Solace, that has a four-year gap to Skyfall, a three-year gap to Spectre, and then a six-year gap to No Time to Die, so... So that's a that's a big and even camp. even if it were to come out last year like it was supposed to, that's still five years, which is still a long time. Yeah, absolutely. I always it was interestingly enough, I always felt like Star Wars with three years in between was always nice, and then and then with the newer ones, it was two. Right? <laughs> You're like, oh yeah. shit. So Roger Moore was Bond for eighteen years, so he did one, two, three, four, five. He did six in eighteen years, so that's pretty good. It's not bad. Not bad at all. Hmm. Never say never again. Yeah, that's the other. That's the Connery one that doesn't count. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's like the Thunderball reboot, right? Yeah. yeah. With Kim Basinger. Yeah, and he's like yeah. old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like the less said about this movie, <laughs> the better. But yeah. you know who directed Never Say Never Again? I don't. Irving Kirshner, Empire of Empire Strikes Back fame. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, based on Thunderbolt by Ian Fleming. Max mm-hmm. Van Sato is in it too. He's in everything. He is in everything. He got around, and yeah, Kim Basinger or Bassinger, whatever. <laughs> yeah, Connery stuck around, uh, you know, because of that, and you know, when he comes back, there's a. Um, I think he aged out of Bond and no one told him. <laughs> yeah. Happens. Jordan Craig looks the same age now as he did when he first started. Yeah, he is a he is an interesting he is I mean, I feel like he's become more like distinguished. Like I think I feel like he's matured in his like face and everything, but he has this you know, this insane swag when he just walks like he's just can beat the shit out of any human being in the room. I think that goes a long way. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's but you're right. He does look good. Yeah, he does. I mean, you see in the trailer where he like jumps on the train or whatever and just fixes his little little cufflinks and keeps going. Yeah, he's a badass. I believe it. Yeah. I'm here for it. Are you? Yeah. Can't wait. Sweet. Over all two hours and 43 minutes or whatever it was. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I just don't want him to die. Maybe we think he dies, but then there's something that shows he's still alive and then the music plays. I'll be like, all right. <laughs> I don't want to be sad when the movie ends. I want it to be a celebration. Yeah, I think they're going to, I think they're going to me too him out of this, ex- out of existence. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be interesting. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, it'll be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I got. You guys got anything else? Not a goddamn thing. Holy shit, Randy, you got anything? You stewing no, over no, there? Are you no, sitting no. in your own sick waiting to, to discuss something? I, I am, <laughs> but it has nothing to do with discussing anything. <laughs> He's thinking about renting the 1967 Casino Royale with Woody Allen in it. Oh, you know what we were going to do? Fuck, I forgot. We were going to talk about like most memorable cars for movies or TV shows. Or vehicles. We were going to do vehicles. Fuck. Can't believe we forgot to do that. All right, so we have homework. So I, for mean, next... I have my list. You don't have your See? list? No, you don't. You lie. I, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Fucker. 
everybody. So we have homework. Yeah, I can't see any of that. So. <laughs> I see James Bond, No Time to Die stuff. Um, so we have homework. We need to come up with our favorite. If you can have a top 10, that would be amazing. Otherwise, a top five will work. But let's try and have a top 10 uh, vehicles from movies or TV shows. Sound good? None. Sounds good. All right. I'm excited for this. Check out the other podcasts that we have. Of course, we have the Don't Be Crazy podcast, which is a ton of fun. Uh, this last week, we did Borat, which was a blast. And then tomorrow, we're recording an episode on The Hateful Eight. And, uh, of course, we have The Escape Pod, which is a lot of fun, hosted by Mr. Randy Van Dyke, where we're reviewing each episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. We are completing Season 1 and ready to move on to Season 2. Very excited about that. And, um, yeah, you keep rocking and rolling. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you so much.